All right, everyone, welcome to episode 80 of the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. We are recording live from 12th Avenue Arts. A big thank you to our host, Map Theater, for hosting us for a Map Playdate. We encourage you to see their current production of Belleville, which runs through April 16th. Tickets are name your price and can be purchased at belleville.bpt.me. Hey, Alina. Hi, Katie. This is really exciting. Our first live podcast. Who do we have at the table with us? Uh, we have some amazing powerhouse ladies tonight at the table. Julia Griffin, Lacey Gavilanes, Vanessa Miller, and Amy Poisson. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. That was enough phlegm. Perfect phlegm. So maybe we should uh, go around the table and have everyone introduce themselves and what project you are currently working on. Lacey, will you kick us off? Absolutely. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, I am Lacey Gavilanis. I'm the executive director of Copious Love Productions. Uh, We're going into our fourth season this year. And uh, currently, we are working on our fundraiser, which is our next big event. Um, It's on April 22nd. And it's entitled Copious Love's World of Pure Imagination. And it's Willy Wonka themed. And it's going to be at the Fremont Abbey Arts uh, again, April 22nd at (laughs) 7. And it's going to be fun. We like to party at our fundraisers. So (laughs) we'll have prizes and there'll be an auction. And it's kind of just fun activities and and hanging out. And then also, we are in pre-production for... Um, our first full-length production of the season, which is Seth Tankus's The Untitled Play About Art School. Uh, and that is going to be... <laughs> yes, yeah. That wouldn't be about a school that is in the Seattle area at all, it's, would it? It's <laughs> totally not about an art school very prominent in the Seattle <laughs> scene at all. Um, and uh, it's going to be really fun. And and there is may or may not be a monster in it as well. Ooh. And <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so that's going to be in um, late November, early December, right here oh, at nice. 12th Avenue Art Studio Space. Woo-hoo. So, yeah, so we hope you'll join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Julia. Is it my turn now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot to follow. Sorry. <laughs> um, my name is Julia Griffin. I am uh, the associate artistic director at Theater Schmieder for the time being. Um, I say for the time being because I'm <laughs> about to take a sabbatical from them um, and go off to Europe and awesome. see do some things, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, at the moment, the Shmi is working on a couple of uh, pretty fun things. I'm always a big fan of our summer uh, time at Theater Schmieder because we uh, we all do our park show in conjunction with um, a couple other shows. April 8th, we have a show opening called um, Oh Frozen Brain. <laughs> that is a great That's a great title. title. <laughs> yeah. It's an original work by uh, John Loggenbaugh, and it's kind of a, it's part of his steampunk punk thing, Brass. I just can't remember the name of this particular one. I'm the worst right now. I'm so glad this is being recorded. Um, and then after that, we have a, a regional premiere called Creature. Uh, that's directed by Emily Harvey, who's one of our newest staff members, who's awesome and amazing. I'm super excited about that. And then our park show, which is my kind of baby. I love Theater Schmieder's Park Show. I've been doing it every summer that I've been with Theater Schmieder, which is eight years now. Wow. Eight years. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Look at that. Uh, right. And I'm leaving. Uh, 
No, but uh, Raggedy Ann and Andy is going to be our summer oh, park show, which is going to be adorable. Monica Woolzen, um, who's also a new staff member, is directing that, and she's phenomenal. So Shmi has a lot of fun things going on this summer, and we um, this is our second summer in our brand new space in Belltown. So um, if you haven't been down there, go and check it out. Um, I just directed a production uh, in Arabia, We'd All Be Kings there, which was one of my favorite productions I've ever worked on. Um, that went over pretty well. I was a big fan of it. Again, probably a little biased. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's my spiel. Good. Was that good? That was good. Uh, that was good. Yeah. A plus. Fatal Footlights. Thank you. <laughs> Brett Love, Thank Brett Love you. ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Fatal Footlights. Doing my job for me. <laughs> always comes that. through. He always comes through. Can keep Google open in case I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Somebody else needs to, like, forget what they're doing. Please. Fact, fact checker. <laughs> All right. Amy. Hi. Hi. Welcome. My name is Amy Poisson, and I am currently working on a play called A Hand of Talons. It opens April 29th at Theater Off Jackson. It's written by the amazing Maggie Lee, produced by Porkville Productions. This is the third in a trilogy of wonderful plays that have been produced locally in the last three years. Clockwork Professor Tumbleweed Zephyr, which was produced this summer, next door in the big space. And this is the final which is actually a prequel to The Clockwork Professor, which is um, interesting oh, and like exciting. Something. Yeah, like before. <laughs> and it's, it is the uh, making of a female a mafiosa boss Ooh. and how she became the person that she is in now. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, Stephanie Kim Bryan is playing Wilhelmina, and she's amazing and fantastic. It's darker than the other plays that in the series, which is exciting for me and Maggie. And there's sex and blood and some of the children that have been following this. Hopefully they've grown up in the last four years and their parents will let them come and see it. <laughs> They're going to be so mature by the yeah. time. They're going to be... So we have grown them up yeah, with our plays. So much. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that's that's what I'm working on. Welcome, Thanks Amy, and I'm actually going to sit down with uh, Maggie next weekend, and so we'll get that's the playwright's awesome. view on this. I'm excited for that. Okay, so I'm going to say really nice things about her, so that <laughs> please say really word. nice things. About her. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. Oh, and rounding out our panel, <laughs> Vanessa. Hello. Hello. Welcome. What are you working on right now? Well, actually, tomorrow I go into rehearsal. It's the very first day of rehearsal for Romeo and Juliet. Yay! Seattle Shakespeare Company's last show of their 25th season. It's going to be performed at the Cornish Playhouse, a.k.a. Intima. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When does it open? Oh, God. Oh, sorry. See, this? it's like Brett the first Love? Friday. <laughs> right. Right. The first Friday in May. It's just the fourth or the about fifth. Right, about the fourth. The beginning is May. Yeah, yeah. May sixth. That would be May sixth. Thank you. Yeah, May sixth. So yeah. Vanessa, when's that show Brett. opening? The May sixth. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you for all introducing yourself. Now, first question, and uh, I think we'll reverse the order. We'll try to start with someone new each time. So Vanessa, oh, yes. and then going. What is that counterclockwise? Fantastic. <laughs> uh, what was your entry point into directing or theater making? Okay. Um, it was second grade. Whoa. Yeah. Tell me everything. I will. I got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> the best story to start this week. Uh, uh, it was recess. We, uh, I organized my friends, and I put on plays in the bathroom. <laughs> and I got in trouble for putting on plays in the bathroom. And I was sent to the principal's office. 
This is a true story. So cute. And um, so I stopped putting on plays in the bathroom. (laughs) And then later, the next year, I started writing little scripts. I'm sure you all did that, you know, and then got my friends together and we rehearsed outside on the playground and then started going into um, third grade classrooms and performing this little, but that is my entry, my entry into directing. And then I stopped and started going into acting. And what was the content of the bathroom, bathroom, playroom, play, and play, plays? Mm-hmm. Were they based on fairy tales? Or no, no, I think it was just elaborate, let's pretend, you know, you know. Did you yeah. have, like, flush sound cues? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the stall. Toilet, go. The stall doors, the stall doors, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Hello, yeah. entries, yeah. wings. Very theatrical. Yeah. Right? There's, yeah. That's like a dressing room. And yeah, yeah. So it could be anything. There. Right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I think you're on to something. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you're right. Site-specific bathroom theater. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Has it been done before? Not yet. Let's we do are it. doing the bathroom <laughs> plays. It would be cold. Peggy said that we have the whole space. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't come in right now because <laughs> we're at half an hour and nobody's allowed in the bathroom. Sorry. Amy, can you chop a bathroom play in second place? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, I, didn't do, I didn't do theater when I was a kid. I didn't actually stumble into the theater until I was older. All my friends in high school did theater and I thought they were really stupid. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are you going to do? Why are you wasting your time doing theater? So I had a lot of crow to eat when I ended up in the theater. I um, I moved to Florida, which is a long story, which I'll tell you on another podcast sometime. <laughs> but I went to see a play with a friend of mine whose mother was in the play. And it was Death of a Salesman. And I'd never seen it before, never heard of it, never heard of any theater stuff. And I grew up in New Hampshire, very rural. And I was amazed, it blew me away, it broke my heart, and I loved it, and I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. But what really blew me away was that there was somebody who was getting paid to do that. <laughs> I was like, she gets paid? She was an actress. That's all she did. That was her job. And I had never sort of thought of that. So I ended up deciding that, that I should do that. So I went into the theater and started auditioning for shows and acted very quickly as an actor. I think the second play I was in, I was standing on the stage and there's a person out there with this really cool headset on and people had clipboards and they were they were bossing us around and, tell, and they were making decisions and we were just standing there and I was like, I hate acting because <laughs> I'm really bossy. And everybody else was out there making the decision so I, I decided that directing was what I wanted to do so that was sort of my entry into into directing I love it fantastic Julia oh geez um, no bathroom please um, <laughs> so I grew up in a really small town in Montana uh, about 800 people uh, so we didn't have a drama department or like anything I had absolutely no idea the even the concept of it other than I just always said, I want to be an actress when I grew up, and I had no idea what that meant. I just <laughs> wanted to wear pretty dresses and like <clears throat> and be a princess, right? Um, and like my siblings and I would put on little plays, um, but I'm the youngest of four, so I never got to do anything. Like I was just the one that was like bossed around and like never got to be like the lead because my sister was kind of a bitch and was like, <laughs> like I'm gonna be the princess. I'm like, but I want to be. Well, she knows it. <laughs> so um, and so. And we, like, my high school didn't have anything or anything like that, so um, I was a cheerleader in high school because I had nothing else to do, and I sure as hell was not going to play basketball. Don't justify. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're performing, okay? Yeah, and that's kind of my, that's my justification of it now that I'm an adult. But then uh, (laughs) I remember when I got to college my very first day in my very first theater class, because I was like, totally, I'm going to be an actress, like, that's what I want to do, and I... 
showed up late because I didn't know where I was going, <laughs> which don't do. And then um, I, for whatever reason, like I was, I registered for a second year class, which I was not supposed to do. I like got into it uh, by accident. And so I walk into the class and, you know, the second year people that have been together already for a year and they're all like buddies. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And um, the professor's like, okay, we're going to start with the Helena speech. Ladies, you ready? And I was just like, <laughs> no, I'm not ready. Like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. Who's Helena? Like, no, I'm screwed. And so that professor hated me. So I kind of, I kind of fell into directing um, on accident, just because I kind of did a really shitty job in my in my undergrad, and um, and I wasn't getting like opportunities to act as much as I wanted to. So I started being like, well, I'll just do it myself then. So I started a playwriting group with a bunch of people, and um, we put on a student-produced play festival that I think is still going on at the University of Montana um, to, to date. Um, and when I started doing that and I started producing and directing my own pieces that I wrote and everything, I was like, oh, this is the shit. Like, that's <laughs> it. Like, I don't, I don't need to be a pretty princess up there. I'm going to tell, tell people how to be the pretty princesses and, like, and make it better. And, you know, being able to actually... Like, because uh, one of my one of my teachers very early on, because um, the University of Montana also doesn't have a directing program; it's just acting. Uh, so the one directing class that they do offer, uh, which was a really good teacher, he said something about how um, uh, a good director is like a clockmaker, and um, the actors are the gears, the the set and the stage are you know is the face, the the play itself is is the casing and everything like that, and it's your job to put it all together and to make it tick. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. I'm going to be a clockmaker, man. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and then the rest is kind of history. And I kind of created, one of my teachers told me that I created my own program in the University of Montana because I like made them let me take classes twice. Like I forced them to let me TA for direct, for the one directing class that they had. I like, oh, I bet that administration was so happy to see me go. Like, <laughs> You're fine, okay? <laughs> Our program is fine. You don't need to keep tweaking it like that. <laughs> well, I did anyway, so fuck you. <laughs> I'm here. Right on. I'm glad you're here here. Yes, Lacey. Yeah. Um, well, I don't like remember when the decision came that I wanted to do theater, but similar to, to Julia, I was like, I knew I wanted to be an actress. That was the thing. Um, and so, in, uh, so I grew up in... Uh, High, like high school area, age, area age, age area. <laughs> um, I, my high school was uh, like 30 minutes north of Seattle in a buttfuck town um, called Snohomish. It's, mm -hmm. I, some people probably know it, but it's, cheese. yeah, cheese and farm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for proving my point. It's, it's a farm. It's a farm town. I was done with the countryside by the time <laughs> uh, I moved to Seattle when I was 17. But, um, but similar to the rural um, high schools, all of the money went to sports. Um, and so I, and it was really weird. We had a freshman campus. So ninth graders went to a separate freshman campus and then our high school was 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Really weird. I don't know. Um, no sense at all. They don't do it anymore because yeah, it makes no sense. sense. <laughs> exactly. And then it was really awkward because you were a freshman twice and you were too, it was weird. But anyway, so when we did freshman campus there, we did have theater and I was, um, involved in the theater drama program there. And uh, also that is when I met my artistic director, 
partner in crime and love, Chelsea Matson, um, in ninth grade. And, um, and so we moved from the freshman campus on to Snohomish High School together. And the year we got there, our theater teacher, who's the best, amazing mentor, we call her our drama mama, um, <laughs> she was just overwhelmed, so she couldn't run the theater program anymore because she was actually teaching drama and speech and English and all kinds of crap. And so she had recently decided that she couldn't run the drama program. So Chelsea and I were heartbroken. We were like, we don't get to do theater. Like, this is not right. So <laughs> we started Copious Love. <laughs> I realized like a couple of years ago, actually, I was like, holy shit, we've been producing since high school. Like, that's when it started. We essentially took up the drama program and became the president and vice president. And we found adult... Um, Overseers, mm -hmm. supervisors, yeah, super, something like that, something right? Like. Um, to like come and be the adult, um, but we did all the work. We found directors, we found the plays, um, we ran the program, um, and it wouldn't have existed um, if we didn't do that. So, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just Chelsea and I making that sound like really right. cocky. <laughs> it was a group of people, but we took it upon ourselves as high school students to do that, and. Um, and so Chelsea and I finished, and, and also Missy, who um, is one of our staff members, and, uh, and Jessica. They're all staff members, and we all did, like, theater throughout high school together. But um, we did, like, all of the theater classes we could take in 10th grade. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, well, shit, what do we do now? <laughs> and so our amazing uh, drama teacher made a, um, a like, off it has a word I can't think of right now. Study. Independent study. That is the one. Yes. So she did independent study for us and she like liked us a lot. So she let us read like really inappropriate things. And she was like, <laughs> don't tell anyone. This is a great play. <laughs> and so it was really great. And so we kind of just like sat in the hallway and made plays and did our own drama study together. And it was great. And so um, during that time when we were in high school, Chelsea had started writing a one woman play um, that was written for me at the time because I was acting. I don't do that anymore. You're looking at me like I don't believe it. Well, no, I'm looking at you because it's the same story you had. It's uh, like you're acting and you're on stage and you're like, oh, this is so fun. Oh, I love being under the lights. And then you're like, oh, but you're doing that wrong and I should be doing that instead. I'm too bossy. Yeah. That's why I'm looking at you because... Yeah, bossy women! Yeah, 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 I'm way too bossy um, to be an actor. Um, so so I'm a producer and... Uh, I'm like, bossy, you the boss. Yeah, that's right. Boss lady. Um, and yeah, so, so yeah, so Chelsea was writing this, this show. It was like a one woman show and it was based in the nineties and it was essentially just about me being a total bitch and, um, <laughs> just totally cynical about everything. And, but it was really neat because it was based in the nineties and being a one woman show, the character, her name was Mia interacted with a TV and a VCR. And so in all of the characters and scenes, took place on a tape that she would like rewind and pause and stop and react to. And, and then we graduated high school, <laughs> fast forward and, um, you know, went through our late teens, early twenties and drank a lot and had fun and then got jobs and busy. And then years went by and I wasn't doing theater at all. And, um, yeah, I was going to school and I did like some drama classes, Seattle Central and at Bellevue Community as well. Um, but I wasn't doing anything outside of that. And um, I stumbled upon the script of this play that she was writing, this one woman show in high school. And it was just a scene and I read it and I was like, 
God damn it, this is brilliant. <laughs> I just love the idea of like interacting with the television, and I hadn't seen that on stage before. Um, and so I was like, Chelsea, I found this. We should do this. And she was like, yeah, all right. We haven't, we haven't been doing theater at all. I was like, I know, crazy, right? So we did it. Um, and at the time, we were meeting and doing production meetings. Um, and it, it wasn't a one-woman show at that time. It evolved into having more people and stuff. Um, but we were doing production meetings at our house. And my now husband, boyfriend at the time, Tony, was there and uh, kind of overhearing and was like, you guys should have a website. And I was like, okay, okay, great. And then, like, slowly he'd be like, you guys, like, no, seriously, this is like, this is like a company. You realize that, right? And we're like, <laughs> no. And so he did all, a lot of the logistics stuff early on. And then it just snowballed. We never, like, made a next step. It was just like, oh, it would be fun to do this play. Oh, it would be fun to do this. And then people kind of, you know, came where they were needed. And, yeah, now it's, that was 2010. Now it's 2016. So, yeah, going well. <laughs> Very cool. Um, kind of on that same note, I'd love to hear what plays you're all drawn to and sort of why. Like, what is your inspiration in the theater? Maybe let's start with Amy for this one, and we can go around. Yes. <clears throat> Starting it off. Pointing at you. Um, yeah. uh, okay, to say the question again. Uh, <laughs> what plays are you drawn to oh. and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, wow, so many plays. I guess if if I'm going to direct a play, because there's mm -hmm. so many great plays out there, and I go see plays that I would never direct or be qualified to direct, or it wouldn't be my story to tell. Um, but for me, um, I really love working with playwrights. So I, I have new works by, and I've, I, I'm not against working with male playwrights. But I have only worked with women <laughs> playwrights for the last five. This is my going to be my eighth show with local female writers. Carla Chang uh, isn't local; she lives in LA. But that that was a big draw for me to be able to work with a playwright and have them in the room and be like, "Hey, so is this what you were thinking? Like, how do we?" Or say, "God, I think you're going for this, but this is in the way of it." And you know that working with it. So that's a that's a big draw for me. Um, the process. Mm -hmm. um, but really, the story, as I think probably for everybody, the story has got to feel like something I believe in, something I understand, something that um, is from a point of view that I understand or that I want to support. Um, I am very, uh, very strong-minded about working with a diverse cast, so that's really important to me. Um, so having a play or a playwright that is open to that is an, is an important thing to me. Um, and I really love stories about strong women <laughs> and that really draws me, draws me to a play. So definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Vanessa, how about you? I, you know, honestly, I, everything you said, I mean, I'm like, that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's one of those things where you read a script, and for me, if I can see the play in my head, mm -hmm. then I should direct it. And sometimes there are scripts, mm -hmm. right, that you read and you're like, I can't wait to see this. Right. I'm going to go see this. Right. Um, and, and you're like, here, yeah, you should read this because you might, <laughs> yeah, you should, somebody should direct this. Yeah. And I've actually had people offer me directing jobs, and I've turned it down because I'm like, I just straight up said, there is somebody better for this script. It's not me. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, uh, yeah, so it's the, like, being able to see it and, and really connecting to what are essentially the relationships in the piece. You know, like, if I understand the dynamics between the characters and I really want to get in there and, you know, talk about it and study it and pull it apart, then that's the show for me. Um, and I have found that a lot of my, the shows that I'm most drawn to or that I've had a lot of joy working on are shows that have strong females in them and also that I can relate to. Like, oh, that, yeah, that. <laughs> because, you know, it's kind of a bummer to spend sometimes a year working on a project and at the end of it, you're like, yeah, I don't really care about this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Like, that's awful. Yeah. yeah. And I've, and I've also taken jobs where I was like, you know, I don't really know what to do with this. I don't hate it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it a try. And then later on and like, damn, I should not have taken that directing job because I just didn't love it. And then you work so hard you know, producing theater and to be in these long days working on something, you're like, oh gosh, I'm kind of looking forward to this being over. And also feeling a little bad walking away from a project going like, ah, did the best I can, but I should not have taken that job. Um, so a few years back, I actually decided like from here on out, I, even if it means I'm only working on one show a year, I am not taking a job unless I love it. And it doesn't even have to do with the money or no, no, no. I just got to love it. Um, there you go. Here, here. <laughs> I agree 100%. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same place too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know what? And going on that, honestly, and especially the more, the older than I am, and I've got a child and life is complicated, I don't want to work on a show that I don't love. If you know what I mean, like, yeah, you're gonna leave, you're gonna yeah. drive away from home, you'll be yeah. like, You guys get dinner, yeah, totally. I'll see it in the morning because I'll be home late, yeah, you, you gotta love what you're doing, so, and so there's you know, it's like yep. there's mm -hmm. gotta be somebody better for this project, yeah, yeah. How about you, ladies? Me, <laughs> okay, um, well, I <laughs> the plays I am drawn to are weird, <laughs> I really like, um, obviously, uh, Copus Love only does original work, um, and so I really like new shows as well, like Amy was saying. I mean, when a show is like an original work, I'm really drawn to it, um. But I also just like really weird theater. Like I love when things break boundaries and can do something new and exciting that we haven't seen before. I mean, that's when to me, I mean, I, I like to like the relationships and really like feeling a piece and, and connecting to a piece. But I also just really like, I mean, I guess this is my producer brain is I like seeing something and being like, how the fuck did they do that? Like, this is amazing. And also, how did they take the risk to do that? Like, it's so scary to do original works for a lot of people um, and to do something new and weird. You never know where it's going to land. Um, and sometimes it's not great, but it, it's always interesting to watch, And in my opinion. And, um, I mean, we've had some really great, amazing um, uh, producers and performers coming out with interesting stuff recently in Seattle. I'm super hyped about Danger Switch, um, who's doing really interesting, cool, like boundary breaking things, in my opinion. Um, and just like, like also uh, a couple years ago at the Seattle Rep, they did Lizard Boy, which, yeah, yeah. oh my God, for a theater of that caliber to take such a risk on that play 
was inspiring. And I loved that show. And it was so interesting and different than anything I'd ever seen. And I was also like, in a weird way, like really proud of the Seattle rep audience because I think they really dug it. Like, I think like some of the older subscribers and like traditional people <clears throat> were really interested in in the play and its newness and they supported it. And so if there's that like audience of people in Seattle doing like supporting a new work in that level, like it's 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 a good sign that that's a good thing that we should be doing and making new work and making it interesting. Um, can, can I tell you that? Yeah. So Justin Huertas, who yeah, created yeah, that show, yeah. yeah, they went over real, really well. And in fact, um, I think that the rep is talking to him right now about creating another piece. Yeah. I, He's like in residency now. Yeah. There, yeah. Think. And I saw yeah. recently they, I think they had a reading in New York. Yes. Of it and yeah. which awesome. is so great. I mean, that's really cool. And yeah, yeah I, I was really, I'm just continuously inspired by that. And and I mean, just all the really interesting, cool companies that are happening too, like uh, Seattle Immersive, although I feel very hypocritical saying that because I've not been to one of their shows, but I think what they're doing is super cool. Um, and I'm just really, really interested with that kind of theater. Yeah. You're not wrong. That shit's awesome. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Do I have to talk now? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> These do. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. Okay, thank you. Um, so unlike you ladies, I actually have not had an opportunity to work with a full-length new production. Um, I've directed for 1448 a couple of times, and that's about as close as I've gotten. Um, Trial by fire. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, and I'm certainly not against it, but... Um, you know, uh, being on staff at Theater Schmieder, like, I, you know, really only get, like, one show a year that I get to, mm-hmm. like, actually pick, and I usually have to fight for the ones um, that I want to do. Um, I, I typically like fucked up theater. I like um, uh, hard stories. I, um, you know, my, my big thing is just um, honesty, um, honesty in character and honesty in story, no matter how far-fetched the story is, as long as you are honest about it and believe it like that's what I want to see because the second that you're on stage I don't care what you're saying if I don't believe it I'm done I'm out um and so that's kind of what I look for in in it, when I read scripts and also the other thing that I, I kind of look for and like to toy with are um like the worst possible emotions you know because <laughs> Because it's one of those things that, like, you really hope as, like, a human being that you don't ever have to go through that. But how fascinating is that emotional roller coaster? Um, I, I did a piece at Theater Schmieder a few years ago called The Gingerbread House, um, which is about this uh, couple that decided they were happier before they had kids, and so they sell them. And, um, <laughs> like, at first, like, they're all super excited about it. And, like, yeah, we're going to buy this really fancy condo, and, like, we're going to live, like, this super posh life. And then the woman starts, like just disintegrating, like having these hallucinations about what's happening to her kids and what she did. And like, and there's, um, there's like a, she reads these letters that we don't, you know, never really tells you if they're real or not. And, you know, you kind of get to the end of the play and you realize that they're not. Um, but they start out like, mom, I'm so happy. This castle in Albania is great to all the way to, you know, like they're raping us. We don't have blankets. Like you're killing us. I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. Like you've ruined our lives and all this stuff. And like, and the woman that played the main character, um, oh God, she was so good. She got a Gregory nomination for it. Um, as well as Sarah coach. She was awesome. Um, so, so that kind of like really kind of intense, Emotion is something that I like to try to find. And I also just like, I like stories about 
the gritty underbelly. I like stories that aren't shiny and pretty, that don't have, that don't wrap up in a nice bow, you know, like, so, so that's kind of what I look for, you know, and, and, and I'm kind of a traditionalist as far as, you know, um, I don't care who wrote it, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't care how many times it's been produced and, um, probably I'm just, you know, not, not the best dramaturg or whatever, but, um, like, you know, especially for Gingerbread House, because most of the shows at Theater Schmeter that I've produced have always met with, really, really, this is the show you want to do? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be awesome. I have a lot of really good ideas for it, guys. It's going to be great. I'm like, it's really fucked up. I'm like, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I'm like, all right, whatever. Just don't lose us money. That's like the only thing we ask for you. I'm like, don't worry. It'll be great, guys. And they turn out all right. Um, but, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, I just I like to just find good characters and and tell them honestly and try to you know do something real with them on stage. You know, especially for Arabia, there was like eleven characters or something like that, and all of them were pretty awful as far as like core people, mm-hmm. but they were so beautiful, like and so so rich and just really you know fleshed out. And uh, and I, I had a great cast with it too. They all did a great job. So Michael Ramquist, I love God, Michael Ramquist. He, so I didn't, and his character in particular, I didn't even think about how much work he has to do. Is his character is an old man killing himself by drinking um, in the bar the entire show, um, and he's just like sitting there, like just shaking and just being like and sweating the whole time. <laughs> Somebody came up to me once. They're like, "Is that guy actually drunk? Like, is he okay?" <laughs> yeah, Ramquist. Um, so yeah, so I like, I like fucked up shit, um, that, that's not, that my dad would never see. (laughs) Nice. Love it. Nice. That's a good qualifier. Amy, you talked a little bit earlier about how, uh, working with companies and playwrights where you can have a diversity in the Mm -hmm. cast is important to you. And I would just, uh, maybe starting with you, but then everyone chime in about where do you see casting heading in the next few years where we have, uh, conversation in the community about racial diversity, but then also more actors coming out as genderqueer or transgender. How do we adjust the traditional casting process to be more inclusive? That's a great question. Uh, I think hopefully we'll see some plays mm-hmm. that have the cast listed as such, right? Mm-hmm. That are demanding. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I right. just. Um, Kimberly does that in her plays, right? There's a Korean, half Korean, half black person, right? You cannot just dick a white person in that role because, you know, I I think that's important for playwrights to be specific. It's okay. We will find the right person for the role. So to trust your community that there are people out there. And sure, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, we can't find this many Asians that are qualified to the level of work. Well, that's bullshit, Mm -hmm. you know, and there, and there won't ever be qualified whatever group unless they're given opportunities. So as theater makers, it's our job. We're on the fringe. We don't have a lot of rules to follow. We don't have any rules Mm -hmm. to follow. It's our job 
to make diverse theater and to train people so that the rep can cast mm -hmm. people, right? They have to be trained. You can't just cast somebody because they have a specific color or gender or transgender or whatever. They have to have training. We have to give them opportunities. So I say playwrights, be specific. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to name what your cast looks like. Mm -hmm. um, also, too, not to be afraid to say, okay, so I have this play for instance, 12 story, it said, um, you know, what a, a mixed race or mixed uh, colored or make, like, whatever you want, please be diverse, <clears throat> right? So for me, that's awesome. I'm like, yay. So we put out the call and we say, hey, you know, the other thing is finding the community. Every I have, I get called all the time because I, my cast tend to be diverse. People saying, how do you do this? How do you do this? I hunt people down. Mm -hmm. Right, I will go on TPS and look for people of color and email them and say, "Hey, will you come audition?" And and they, it's a, it's been it's kind of funny. They're like, "How did you find my name?" I'm like, "I stopped you on TPS." <laughs> <laughs> but you have to do some work. You have to actually do some work to have that happen. But um, so also in 12 story uh, there was we did not have a lot of men come out to audition for it mm -hmm. and there was one particular part that there was no we had nobody for and but i loved this female actress marie bola mm -hmm. and uh i was like why don't we make that a female doctor and the, uh, rebecca goldberg who's a playwright was like yeah totally <laughs> no problem do we need to change the name no whatever michelangelo that could be a woman who cares so I think that playwrights being um, open to that and directors being open to it and also to start thinking about people as humans yeah. mm -hmm. as opposed to mm -hmm. a color or a gender or, you know, a demographic. That, a demographic, yeah. And certainly there are plays, Blood, Water, Paint, it was Joy's first production of that play and we talked about that and she was like, I really support gender and color and race diversity. She's married to a man from Guatemala, and, you know, but she said, I really want this production to be honest and to the characters because they're real people. And that's the only time I've, you know, of course, of course, how do you not respect that? But other than that, I have playwrights are very open to it in general and I think it's got it but from the playwrights I say write more write more queer theater write more black theater write more Asian theater let's mix it up let's have it and let's talk about it mm -hmm. where you know let's talk about it and let's have plays about it yeah and uh, so that's it's it's an exciting question to me and I'm so excited to be part of the community and I've been so lucky to be working with Porkfield Productions who's their mission statement they are 50 percent people of color in their plays no matter what. We had an issue with Hand of Talons. We could have, we had, after auditions, we had the show, but we didn't have, we had too many white people. Sorry, white people. <laughs> and, uh, we'll be fine. And, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be fine. Thank you. Um, and so we had to make the decision. We had that conversation, like, what are we going to do? And we decided to hold off and mm -hmm. to call some more people in. And we called up our friends and said, hey, Augustia, Please, do you have any Indian actors who you feel are ready to come over? And we ended up actually casting an amazing um, Indian man, Abhijit Rain, who's playing a hilarious character in the Hand of Talents. And so that was great. So that rounded out our cast. So I, you just have to make an effort mm -hmm. and, and not stress out about it as far as um, are people going to be, you know, who cares? Just mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Sorry, that was a lot of words. <laughs> I loved all the I'm words. very passionate about it. Great. <laughs> no, it's very important awesome. to me. Well, well, you bring, jump oh. in. Mm. Julia? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, 
You bring up an interesting uh, point of talking about it because I think in in just the last couple of years, because um, it's so it's so taboo to mention it, right? Like you don't you can't say you can't specify what you need. You just have to like know what you just don't talk about it. It's offensive to even talk about it. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? Like to like to to say you know to say like there's not enough Asian actors in in Seattle to or something oh. like that. Just just mentioning it by you know like just actually mentioning it. You know like it. It makes people uncomfortable, you know. Well, let me let me say this: that when I was talking out loud about Twelfth Story, and I said my concept for the play was that there were no white people because it was set four hundred years in the future, mm. and I was mm-hmm. like, there aren't going to be white people four hundred years in the future. We're all going to be a beautiful <laughs> color yeah. of tan, yeah. where it's going to be amazing, and there'll be no. And so, but I was told like you cannot say that you want to cast a show with no white people. In it. Yeah, and like, and even and and Fine. even talking about. I don't no, I I was like, okay, I won't say it. That's my goal, right. but it didn't work out anyway. But, but well, yeah, so. no, 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 no. But it's just it's interesting because like um, uh, because you are absolutely right. It is possible to do it. You just have to try harder. Yeah. Um, and you have to be okay to talk about it and to mm-hmm. ask for it. Like um, I I was fortunate with Arabia that it was, of eleven people. Uh, five of them were people of color, and um, and they were great, you know. And and before that, because I brought this show up a few years ago, uh, many many years back, and one of the one of the things against it, well, we can't cast it properly. Right. I'm like, but but but. And but I mean, that's changed though, right? Yeah, but yeah. that's I think, changed. I think things are changing, yeah. especially with the conversation, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's what's most important, and and that's what I'm, you know, I'm really excited about in the Seattle French theme, scene. That we're really setting that mm-hmm. like level of like let's talk about it. Like, well, and everybody's talking about exactly. it too. Like, it's a really awesome trend happening with of all of the fringe theaters yeah. almost that diversity casting with both gender and race is is a big thing in the forefront for almost every. I mean, every pre production meeting we've been having at, at Theater Meter in the last year, we've been definitely talking about making sure we get diverse casting, doing auditions earlier, and, you know, being more proactive about looking for that kind of stuff. Um, the one thing, the other thing that I was, um, that I'm hoping, and I think we're kind of on the right track for it, is to not be so, like, specific. You know, having having a feminine character and a masculine character does not necessarily mean having a man and a woman. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I think that's something that is really um For the exciting. playwrights to sort of delineate. Exactly, yeah. I think that we should... Um, find a writer to write a play about transgendered in a bathroom situation, <laughs> yeah. right? Because this yeah. is a big yeah. Yeah. right now, yeah. and you should direct yeah. it. Because that's a bathroom play. queen. No, that's a really good idea. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about North Carolina? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that, really interesting. I mean, it's really interesting. Yeah, but- Yes. Just saying. Yeah. That's our next production. We're going to co-produce it. I like okay. it. Let's do, let's like do it. some Shakespeare outside of bathrooms. And- okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't been done. <laughs> well, Especially like, in the parks. <laughs> that's the other So, I think that uh, you're right. It is part of the conversation. I also think it's in the conversation in the larger theaters right mm-hmm. now. There may be a little, a step or two behind. Mm-hmm. Um I think you're right about the work you have to put into it. Yeah. Um, for Romeo and Juliet, I spent nine months casting that show. Wow. 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 Yeah. And the last person I cast was a female actress of color. We have a cast of 16. Uh, six of the 16 uh, are actors of color. Um, but I was like, I am holding out. Yep. It was like, I, and I just, you know, and it's, and to be honest with you, 
I I did that whole Facebook thing and yeah. like like asking tons of people and going out there and finding um, and we 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 were delighted and and because of those contacts I actually um, Kathy Shea helped me mm-hmm. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. she sent out a lot of emails to yep. friends and said yep. you know like. This yep. is if an you opportunity. Know the key people yeah. in the communities of color. Yeah, you're bonus. And yeah. if you don't, you're yeah. You're you have to knock on those your doors. Your other white mm-hmm. friend who knows yeah, the totally. way. <laughs> <laughs> or there's those. I mean, I'm going to say this. There's like the handful of actors of color that are hired over and over and yep. over again. They're working yep. all the time. It's like yeah. there's got to be more than that. Absolutely. I want to say too that I think in terms of like casting diversity, I see that happening in our training programs. Yep. I see that happening at Cornish. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the playwrights, it's like we also have to like develop um, our directors and our yeah. playwrights and our actors that are in the training programs right now so that they're like the new generation coming up. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. naturally happening as, yeah. as, I mean, you know, my, my, where my kids go to school um, my son is in a high school at the Nova Project. There's a very large transgender population in the high school, and when I was in high school, I did not that I didn't even know what that was. Like that yeah. wasn't even we didn't. I don't think we even talked about being gay in New Hampshire. I grew up in New Hampshire, so just to sort of see that where we are, mm-hmm. slow. I know it's so slow, but it, it's it's a huge change in the high school arena, and mm-hmm. I think so. That generation, it's not. There's, it's nothing is weird to that. Like mm-hmm. they're like being gay is like not weird, and yeah. transgender is not different. Like that's just how yeah. people are. Yeah. It's, it's so I think that mm-hmm. that infiltrates everything, mm-hmm. and I think so. But I, I really feel like writing, writing. We got to have plays mm-hmm. yeah, that tell well, us. I think. I think. Too, sorry to interrupt. No, I've, I've been. You please go. <laughs> um, but I think too, it's 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 the conversation, but it's also the. Um, enacting it because I've heard over and over again that actors of color don't audition because they don't see uh, companies casting them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they'll go out over and over and over again and, and audition for these companies yep. and they never get cast. Yep. And they get so frustrated. And I, but I also I also hear too that like theater doesn't resonate with some. It, you need to see yourself on stage, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what's said. It's like if you if you can't resonate with the play because it's a white cis person over and over again, um, then you're not going to be interested in it. So when actors of color start seeing actors of color on stage, it's going to be create a cycle where more actors of color will feel welcome to come and audition, and and they know there's a place for them. So it won't just be that same bundle mm-hmm. of of actors working to the bone mm-hmm. right because everyone wants to cast them because they're amazing it'll be it'll grow it'll grow and it'll get bigger and bigger and it's really exciting that the fringe world is laying the tracks for that but you're right like i think the bigger theaters are absolutely going to start to follow precedent because they it, it's gonna you know they're gonna have to evolve with the scene and like the intamon it, or Intamon is doing yeah. the whole uh, black female writers. Um, Co-curated with Valerie Curtis Newton. Yes, yes, which is brilliant. Yep. Um, and that's a bold step, and that's a necessary step. And and I think, too, like, you know, like you're saying, the, the bigger theaters will continue to follow suit, and hopefully it grows, and it's, like, like I'm saying, like a cycle, cyclical. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. <laughs> well, the big theaters have a lot to lose, so they yeah. have to mm-hmm. actually be Definitely. careful. Whereas on the fringe, you know, you, 
you know, map theater's not worried about pissing their audience off because they put a transgender person on the stage, right? <laughs> and, you know, that's a, still a thought for totally. theaters that have so much yeah. overhead. Yeah. And their right. subscribers are, and Eight, they have seven. a huge admin mm-hmm. department, you know, and yeah. they have to, and they have a union. Right, right. Nazi. I mean, there's a lot at stake. So they have to be slower because mm-hmm. they have to be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's it's our job to make the, bring it to the norm. Exactly. Right? Well, yeah. Where it Definitely. starts anyway, right? Absolutely. Shit starts at the fringe. Mm-hmm. That's right. The big theaters just want to be like We're that. the incubators, That's right. baby! That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think we're going to open it up for a couple questions from the audience. Anyone have a burning question they would like to ask our panelists? Darcy Harrison! Well, I, since you guys are talking on the topic of um, uh, diversity and equity in theater, how do you all feel about the difference between colorblind casting and t- intentional casting? Mm. Colorblind versus color conscious. Right. That's that's really interesting. Um, I will say a little bit about that. Um, uh, I think colorblind is a bad idea, and I think um, I think actors of color would probably agree with that. Um, maybe not. I, I can't speak for him. I am. Um, you know, I am Mexican, so I have a little bit of that, but definitely not anywhere close to what a lot of actors and, and people go through. But I, um, it's interesting, we were casting Tap House, which was a play we did last season, and we really wanted to cast an Asian actor in one of the roles, and we were going to, and uh, one of our um, designers, uh, technical designers, is Asian, and he was like, you can't you can't cast this guy in this role um, because that character ended up getting brutally beaten at the end of the play, um, and we didn't even think about that. Like we didn't even realize that that could be a racial implication until it was brought up. Like we were just like, this guy is great. He's a great actor. He's going to be great for this role. And um, this uh, crew member who uh, was kind of telling us, like, you got to think about this. Um, he was also bringing up the fact that, like, um, it's an Asian stereotype for men to be, uh, you know, like, not strong men, for, for Asian men not to be strong, to be, like, um, you know, weak or whatever. That's, like, a stereotype that he personally had fought in his life, and that's what this character was. He was, like, the weak character to his buddy who was, like, this big macho guy, and he was just, like, this weak kind of, like, you know, tag-along sidekick, right, um, who ended up getting beaten, and we didn't even think about it. And and so with that, like, and he was, the, the crew member was pretty passionate about it. Um, he, was, he was like, you really should not do that. And so we listened to him, and we ended up um, not casting him, and, you know, actually that was... I'm pretty sure it was all white cast that cast um, ended up being. Um, But yeah, but so I think you have to be conscious about it. And that was a huge learning curve for us at that moment. Um, So I definitely, I definitely would advocate for color conscious casting. Absolutely. I think it really depends on the show because there's some shows that you have to have color specific Mm. or race specific or gender specific or, or something like that, you know, especially, you know, uh, like if you're if you're doing a play about you know civil rights or something that was set in 1950, you can't you can't colorblind cast that. It yeah. has to be the way it is because it you're you're gonna ruin it if you don't. Um, but there's some plays where if it doesn't matter, then then fuck it, everybody's welcome. Um, I think one of the issues with doing colorblind casting as opposed to color conscious is that. Uh, 
I think you have a better chance of casting what you want if you're specific about what you're looking for. If you just put out a general, you know, like, hey, anybody, literally anybody, come and play. You know, people are going to see that and they're going to be like, well, you know, there's probably not something for me. Versus, you know, if you're like, I need a 45-year-old black man. The 45-year-old black man will be like, oh, shit, I got a good chance of being in that show. I can, maybe I'll show up to audition. Um, you know, so so I think it... I, I don't think that there's a set rule on that. I think it just really depends on, on the show. It's mm. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, when we were casting uh, Clockwork Professor, uh, there are these two robots in the play that were written. They weren't written for women, but we, so we were auditioning completely like open minded and, and there are these two um, black women that were awesome. And they were, they had to, I don't know if anyone saw a clockwork in here, but they had to be robotic. And they were really, really great. And so we had, you know, at the end when everyone goes away, and, and we had a lot of great women. And we decided, like, during, we're like, we're casting robots as women. But they had, like, this guy, this white guy who was there. And in the middle of sort of the shuffle that you do with the headshots and you're we're like we cannot cast these two black women mm. they're like his slaves they were his sex mm. became sex slaves and oh, we're like man. we can't we can't do yeah, that yeah. and so no and so it was still you know culturally diverse casting but but we couldn't that yeah. would, it would have been absolutely mm. wrong and we exactly. just didn't think about it in the shuffle you know but as soon as we put people down we're like oh we we can't do that that yeah. would be disrespectful and it would be taken wrong even though it was funny yeah so i think i agree with you that you can't there can't be rule i mean I, I think if you have a certain if you have a company that's that's based on a particular sure. like we do the, these kind of plays and so therefore we can do colorblind casting mm -hmm. um but you know i i mean hamilton i think is an awesome example of what oh what God. is i think Best. we also haven't found the boundary of where we mm -hmm. can go yeah. i think people think oh you have to do certain things but i think hamilton is so it's very mainstream obviously and and it's accepted and it's selling out like crazy so i i really think that we still haven't quite found the boundary i think we have to trust our audiences a little bit more and we have to believe that they will come with us and we mm -hmm. have to continue to take chances in in all the realms of of theater mm -hmm. like we were doing um uh, Fallen Angels a couple years ago and uh, there was a woman I really wanted to audition and it was a black woman that's amazing and she was going to audition for the role of the maid and she's like nah I'm not going to do that yep. I'm like oh that's right that looks bad but it's <laughs> like but you'd be so good at it like it's it's a really funny character but you but like you know yep. having like the one African American actor be the help also is something that, you know, I want to try to steer away from. Well, it wouldn't be right. that big a deal if they had the amount of opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Like they don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'd say that's kind of in the future. I, I that, 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 that that's what you're, that's what you're shooting for, yeah. mm -hmm. it seems to me, Amy, is that, is, is that, that if all this stuff keeps moving forward in these tricky times that ultimately 400 years from now when there's not any white people <laughs> but that but that but but the the question of of whether giving an asian actor or two wonderful mm -hmm. black women who are perfectly paired to be this giving them the to say no i've just thought of my uh, ooh, I, you know, I'm trying to be open-minded and I've just thought of my stereotypical reason not to do that. Right. The future is is where 
is where there's, there's people of various colors and the implication of slavery is no longer associated with mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah, right. that's a super good point. Well, and like uh, you were saying with the with the kids in high school being, you know, uh, being transgendered and everything like that, like, I mean, in, even in my high school, I mean, I grew up in Montana, so whatever. But, um, you know, like that's, like, it, it's a question of how much of our bias we're putting on it too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like we, we know because of our history of the generations before us that, that that might look bad, but you're absolutely right. In you know, hundred years, and then we will have made progress. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. When we're not having this conversation anymore. We're not. We're, we're not stressing about whether we can cast an Asian person or if mm-hmm. it's going to look bad. Or, yeah. I, I just had a conversation with my producers today after rehearsal. I said, at, who are all Asian? I said, um, the the Indian actor is um, he is doing some having, making some choices that make him look sort of subservient. And and his accent became a little bit thicker, and I said, D- I was ner- I was worried. I was like, is this? I don't. That's right. not what I. Why I cast him? I didn't. Yeah. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. cast him for that reason. So we still have to have these conversations, and yeah. it will be a glorious day. Mm-hmm. Hope it's not four hundred years from now. <laughs> but maybe who knows? We really are damn slow yeah. in progress. It takes um, us a while. But yeah, I know. I but hope I think you don't have to wait till there's no white people anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that's a great point, and I think all we can do is keep trying and keep looking for plays that, you know, and encourage young playwrights who who are transgendered and who are black and who are Latina, and, you know, to write plays for people of their group and to mm-hmm. find directors and and get them yeah. to produce and, a play. And I will say. And I swear this isn't biased, but uh, <laughs> Seth Tankus is great at that. Yep. And and Eat Cake is coming out at Annex, and I'm super <laughs> excited for that. That is, it's very diverse, very, um, you know, LGBTQ friendly. Um, yeah, and Seth is, is really great at that and, um, and writing for transgender and all of that. Yeah. I just wanted to say what we need to applaud all of you for is cultivating the future subscribers. Because, you know, this audience that is experiencing the theater that you're doing are going to be the subscribers to those major theaters. Mm. And they won't always be this 60, 70-year-old demographic. They will come up, but they will come up with this experience. And uh, kudos, really, to what you're doing. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's a great note to wrap it up on. A round of applause for our panelists. Again, a big thank you to Peggy Gannon and Math Theater. Check out Belleville. And a thank you to our sound engineer, Eric Johnson. And thank you all for being here. And that's a wrap. Yay! Yay!